0: Netflix came up short on subscriber gains in Q4 2021 and his lowballing expectations for Q1 2022, but it will remain the SVOD category leader throughout 2022. Listen on to find out why.
1: And welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon right there at the beginning from In Screen Media. Hey, Colin, how's everything? Uh, doing really well, Will. And
0: are uh, you staying warm? I hear that the Northeast has been frozen
1: this week. It has been very chilly here. Um, we've had some days where it's warmed up, but yeah, it's been pretty cold. Still, only one snow for the season, though, so um, not much on not much to report on that front. And how about there?
0: Ah, it's a balmy sixty-eight. I think today it's lovely. <laughs> Blue skies, Great. no rain. We are not getting any rain.
1: <laughs> Great. Well, we're going to talk about um, we are going to talk about Netflix today. Uh, Q four earnings out, just hot off the presses. And if we have time, we may talk a little bit about YouTube's decision to discontinue their originals. We'll see how the timing works for that. But we both want to share a couple of news stories to get us started, and you are going to get going first.
0: Uh, I do, well, and you know, uh, one of the things that I think we've talked about on the podcast before is the challenges that local television is having in, in adapting to streaming. And uh, one of the ways that we've talked about in the past is that uh, services like Paramount Plus... Are offering a lot of CBS stations as part of that subscription, so you can watch your live station, or at least you can you can watch the news and local interest stuff from local stations on uh, on Paramount Plus. Well, it looks like uh, the 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 news has gotten through to NBC because M- Peacock now has launched local news channels via NBC-owned TV stations. So now, if you go to Peacock, you can watch NBC5 from Chicago, NBC10 from Philadelphia, and they've got uh, uh, Boston and New England Network is covered, Miami, New York, Los Angeles. So now there's a lot of local news available on Peacock. Now, it's not clear to me if this is available free but uh, it doesn't look like you have to be uh, subscribed to get this. Um, so I think this is great. This is good for users of Peacock. This is good for the local stations because it gets their local news uh, plenty of exposure on streaming as well. And I think it's probably good for Peacock will because it'll be another reason for people to come in and use that platform. So yeah, I'm really uh, I'm encouraged by this. I think it will be helpful to everybody.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, has have those channels launched yet, or was that just an announcement call?
0: Well, it was certainly um, it, they just announced, and I don't see in here when they note that it will actually be available. So I guess we can we'll have to confirm that when it's actually available inside of Peacock. And I do want to I do want to note that I'm not certain you it is available on the free tier, right? Um, but I assume it will be.
1: Right. So let's see what happens with that. But I agree that I think sounds like that could have a nice impact for Peacock. Just transitioning, Colin, one new story that caught my eye this week was an article in TechCrunch about a company that I had never heard of before called FilmHub, uh, which has raised about $6.8 million in venture financing. And I was intrigued by what they're doing. Uh, again, the company is called FilmHub. And they are working with filmmakers who have not been able to get conventional distribution deals with different studios. And instead, what they've done is basically created partnerships with a whole bunch of different streaming platforms, including Amazon, uh, Apple, IMDb TV, TCL, Tubi, Plex, and some others. And what they do is basically make available movies that have not gotten distribution elsewhere to these streaming outlets. And to the extent that they're picked up, then there's a licensing fee paid and Film Hub keeps part of that. So, And it's not just film also, it can be TV series as well. So um, I thought this was intriguing, again, from just the sort of democratization of video uh, theme that we've seen in so many other places, and again, we may get a chance to talk about YouTube later in the podcast today. But um, you know, if uh, if you're a filmmaker and you are trying to get distribution for your work, but you haven't been able to do that, then um, this is Film Hub seems like a really interesting way to to try to get your film out there, your TV series out there, and um, to be able to monetize it. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think
0: it's I Think it's a really good thing for the industry. Um, I know that independent movies have really struggled with the closure of theatres because of COVID. And a lot of them have shifted their strategy to a digital strategy. But the problem is, you know, it's, it's being found, right? It's really, tr- really tough. So having something like Film Hub, which provides a single place where you can go to find a lot of the independent movies and and, and other works. That's probably a really good thing. And, you know, it puts me in mind of a company called Easel TV in the UK. Well, I, I was talking with Joe Foster, who's CEO of Easel TV uh, last week on a panel, and they just launched this thing called Stage Player Plus. And this is this is really interesting as well because this is a SaaS model where they host the service. But this, believe it or not, is for uh, all sorts of performing arts not just movies so theaters concert venues producers rights holders festival organizers and and performers staging live or recorded online events can use this platform to uh, reach uh, a digital audience with their live material uh, live and recorded material as well so I'm really encouraged by this move because uh, this is great they get to, it gets um, it gets people with physical presences to also have, reach digital audiences with those physical presence, presences, and I think that's uh, that's all to the good for the arts in general, for movie, for theatre. It's it's great.
1: Very much agree with you. And that name of that company again was easel TV. Easel
0: TV, and the, the solution
1: is called Stage Player Plus, and I'll include
0: a link uh, to to their site okay. on when I post.
1: Okay. Sounds great. Well, um, transitioning to our main story or stories this week, we are recording here late Thursday and Netflix reported its Q1 earnings this week, actually today, this afternoon, rather, sorry. And, um, you know, a little bit of a bumpy outcome for them. What, What was your take? Yeah, a little bit bumpy, Will. they? I think they
0: pretty much performed the way they had forecast and which the the analysts had thought that they would perform. First of all, you know, the, the numbers, they gained 8.3 million subscribers in the quarter. They actually had forecast 8.5 million. They now have 222 million subscribers in total. That's about 9% higher uh, than in 20Q4, at the end of uh, 20, 2020. So that's pretty good growth, I would say. And the the biggest growing region, the fastest growing region, is Asia-Pacific, uh, with 32.6 million. And one of the reasons why I think Asia-Pacific Asia uh, continues to do well is Netflix has actually gotten hit to the fact that they're too expensive in many countries, and they're starting to actually cut prices. So, for example, in India, they adjusted pricing down, and that really helped them have a really good fourth quarter. I think adding about 2.6 million subscribers in the region, in the Asia Pac region. We obviously we can't we can't know if they all came from India or not, but that that was very helpful there. Um, and they're they're really they're getting this. They're, they're continuing to get good growth even in mature markets like the USA and Canada. They added about a million subscribers, I think, to reach 75.2, and a mere they're up to 74 million now. So pretty solid growth. They are just a hair below a 30 billion dollar company. They apparently earned 29.7 billion in revenue in 2020, uh, 2021, which is 24% over 2020. So that's all to the good profitability apparently took a hit because of extra spending on content and uh, there really has been a, there really was a blitz of content coming out of Netflix at the end of at the end of the year in Q4 which probably helped push subscribers higher and uh, i should say that one of the interesting things was that growth actually in the US was US and Canada rather was higher in q4 2021 than it was in q4 2020 when i think many yeah. people were still shacked up at home hiding from from coronavirus and sheltering in place so i think that's that shows that there's still growth to be had in the u.s market which i think is pretty amazing
1: yeah i mean the you can which is u.s and canada in q4 they added about 1.2 million subscribers and that was actually up from 860,000 in Q4 of 20. So to your point, you can actually strengthened which um is impressive and uh the only other region that strengthened during the quarter was APAC and you know you pointed out they cut the price of the service in India. They uh, ended up adding 2.6 million subscribers in APAC versus two million in um, fourth quarter of 2020. Uh, EMEA seems like it was the biggest soft spot, adding three and a half million versus the four and a half million from Q420. Um, And uh, Latin America was a little softer adding a million instead of a million two. They actually noted that um, the uh, sort of, what they call the macroeconomic hardship in Latin America was one of the causes for the uh, softness there. But full year, ne- Netflix added 18 million uh, paid subscribers versus 37 million in 2020. And I think, you know, to your point, Colin, the issue here is that as they, you know, talked about very clearly, they had a big pull forward in number of subscribers uh, during the early part of COVID in uh, extending through 2020. They added a lot of subscribers that ordinarily they would have added over the course of a number of years, and they pulled them all in in 2020. And um, it's tough to follow that up. It's, it's, it's that simple. So, um, you know, still adding 18 million in 21 is pretty healthy. But we are seeing a maturing of the market. They point out, pointed out in, in their investor letter that there's more competition now than ever certainly on the streaming front uh, but that they're still bullish that overall the growth going forward is going to come more from linear and uh, that streaming still actually accounts for a relatively small percentage of viewers total uh, video consumption and so i i think that they're right about that um you know they i think the uh, stock has been down after the market closed here on Thursday. Uh, I think mainly because the forecast that they issued for the first quarter of 22 was um, was on the low side. It was only two and a half million. Uh, that's compared to the four million that they added in the first quarter of 21. Um, I think the Netflix explanation on that is that the the big content uh, hits for them in Q1 are not coming out until the latter part of Q1, and that's going to push effectively push out the uh, subscription subscriber additions toward the end of Q1 and into Q2. So overall, as you said, it's it's a still you know the 800 pound gorilla of streaming, 220 million plus subscribers. And still, you know, still growing.
0: You know, there are a couple of things that that really stuck out to me Well, one of them is the average revenue per unit. Although I think they're calling it something something differently these days, but uh, we usually call it ARPU. And uh, they seem to be getting positive growth pretty pretty much across the board year over year. Uh, they where they're struggling, as we mentioned, is in Asia Pac, where it fell slightly, and that was due to the decrease in in the price in India but the interesting thing is that they are pushing the prices up in i think in the uh, USA and Canada faster yeah, than pretty much did, yeah. everybody else and yeah as we, yeah. we've just had that increase and and the average revenue here in ucan is $14.78 which is really considerably above every other region the closest other region is Amir where it's $11.64 and of course LATAM and APAC are well below that so it looks like uh, we in the uh, in the US are really are paying a little bit more than everybody else is in the world for, uh, for, for Netflix and uh, the reason I mentioned that is it's kind of interesting because Netflix is really seeing a lot of success now with international shows like La Casa de Papel, Squid Game and Lupin um, and they're continuing to invest pretty heavily in those markets and what they say is that when they, when they produce international originals they're focused on making them successes in the region that they are produced in but they're getting really good at making shows that like that that also have in uh, international appeal. So, uh, you know, that they're, they're talking about things like big local viewing titles for things like Love is Blind Brazil, My Name from Korea, and the super superhero film Minai Murali from India, Danish thriller The Chestnut Man. Uh, so they they I think they're continuing to do what they've said that they were going to do and be successful with, which is creating locally but distributing uh, nationally, internationally. Internationally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it it seems to be a very successful strategy for them. And they also point to a couple of movies that they say were very successful. They talked about Red Notice. Uh, which is this thing with Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds, which uh, was apparently their most popular movie launch of all time. They say 364 million hours viewed in its uh, first four weeks. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how long that movie is, but that sounds to me like that's almost an hour per subscriber or two hours per per subscriber uh, by my calculations, although I don't know if you watched it. I certainly didn't. <laughs> means... I
1: didn't. No, I haven't watched it. I have not watched it. Uh,
0: so, so, you know, th- they seem to be doing a pretty good job in producing the content. And, you know, w- looking at data from Hub Research, um, although they have lost a little bit of ground in being the default service that everybody turns to, um, I think uh, Hub said that they fell... Uh, from 23% of people saying that Netflix was their default TV service to 20% uh, between 2020 and 2021. Um, you've got to think that that's still one in five people say that Netflix is their default service. Uh, so that's, that's pretty impressive, bearing in mind the uptick in competition that we've seen. Over the last even over the last year with HBO Max and Paramount Plus and Discovery Plus, and uh, you know, there's just been a big uptick in competition, I think, and they're still continuing to do pretty well. And by the way, I would say that in that hub data, Netflix is selected more than all of the other SVOD services as the default service. Um, put together so you know they're certainly doing something right and I think part of it is this strategy they have with content where they're you know leveraging local content internationally
1: yeah I mean that's certainly been their stated strategy for a while now and uh, as you point out it does seem to be working well for them so um, you know Netflix has a high bar (laughs) because of COVID they have a high bar to compete with, competing with themselves essentially. But as you point out, they're very much a fixture in lots of members' homes, and um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Do you? No, <laughs> no,
0: I don't. I mean, I'm looking here at, in their in their letter. They published Google's Year in Search 2021, and in the top 10 TV shows, six are from Netflix. Six right. and that that's a really amazing. And even in the movies, two of the top ten there uh, are Netflix movies: Red Notice and Army of the Dead. And you know they're just behind Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings from Disney. That I mean that, that I think is pretty amazing when they're stand they're, they're going toe to toe with Disney on, on a superhero big big budget superhero movie like Shang Chi. That's a pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, well, they are going toe-to-toe, no question about that. Um, Colin, we're just about out of time here, so I don't think we're going to get time to really explore the YouTube decision to exit uh, the original space, but um, it it does seem like that accrues to Netflix's advantage as well, that um, YouTube is backed out of the original space. And, um, you know, obviously there's a, a huge flourishing Amount of creators on YouTube and no shortage of content, uh, but YouTube deciding not to proactively um, uh, pursue originals the way that they have, um, except in I think just a couple of narrow spaces. Kids and I think their uh, Black Voices initiative yeah. um, is uh, you know I think actually a, po- a you know a net positive for for, for Netflix.
0: Yeah, I do, too. Um, And, uh, you know, they're they're doing a I just want to mention they're doing a couple of other things, which I think is really helpful to them. And one of the criticisms I've often I've often heard leveraged at Netflix is it's just uh, they have such a big library and it's sometimes pretty tough to find something to watch. And uh, I'm so a lot of our listeners have noticed that they've added a new feature where you can just say, um, play something. Uh, by clicking on, on that uh, when, you, when you log in. Um, but now they're, they're actually they've integrated with Amazon Fire TV t- TV devices so that you can just say you know I, I won't say Alexa because it mine will wake up, but uh, you can <laughs> just say play something on Netflix or play a movie on Netflix and it will just start playing that uh, something. And then, if you don't like it, you can just say play something else or next, and it will move on. And I think that this will continue to solidify its place as the first place that people go, mostly when they uh, when they want to watch want to watch something. Although I will say, um, I, I I did a little bit of research. I, I published a piece on my site this week with data from MoHu, which actually shows that. Uh, You know, people don't just always go to the same place. They go to places to a service that has the the content, they think will have the content that they actually wanna watch. Um, But uh, anyway, I think this sort of integration with the platforms that we use to watch is just gonna continue to help Netflix uh, dominate the industry as it it has.
1: Yep. Well, I think that's all we have for Netflix this week, Colin. It's uh, it's going to be fun to watch them in 22. Obviously, another huge year on the content front for Netflix. You know, maybe slowing subscriber growth, but uh, you know, big numbers to lap uh, to compare themselves to. And you know, still, as you said, do- the dominant service, no question. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I right. don't think I don't think it will change very much by the end of this year. Will but uh, as you say, I think we're
1: just about out of time. Okay, Tom, good chatting. As always, thanks, everyone, for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream. And we will see you all again next week.
0: Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.